Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. Hey friends, thanks so much for taking time out today to tune into today's episode. We're going to be talking about toxic positivity. I'm so excited to share with you some information about this topic. It's one that is so important, especially in today's time with so much going on in 2020. There's probably a lot of pressure that you've personally felt to try to make yourself feel better or do things like try to push yourself to achieve a goal and sometimes forgetting that we're in the middle of a pandemic still and there's so much going on in the world that it might be really tough to stay positive some days and the pressure that society might put on you to feel like you have to put a smile on your face today. And so, and I also just want to take a moment here to thank you for tuning in from wherever you're listening. I want to give some shout outs out to folks tuning in from Jamaica, Australia, United Kingdom, Israel, South Africa, Austria, Ireland, Norway, Spain, Malaysia, Armenia, of Brazil and Germany and Kenya. There's the Philippines and Nigeria and the United States. We have some huge listeners out in California and Texas and Arizona and out in Illinois, Virginia, South Carolina. I just want to thank you all from wherever you're tuning in in the world. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to tuning into today's episode with me. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Therapeutic Life Healing for Women with your host, Adit. And I am so excited to have Dr. Therese Moscardo all the way from Portugal with us today. She is an amazing, incredible therapist that I admire, that I look up to. Please definitely go check out all of her work. And we're going to be diving into the topic of toxic positivity. It's something that is near and dear to my heart, and I've been impacted by it, and I know clients have as well. And we're going to get to pick Dr. Therese Moscardo's brain a little bit about her thoughts on the topic. So without further ado, Dr. Therese, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Adid. It's so great to speak with you. Um, I feel like you are so intentional about this podcast and... I love the topics that you choose. I think they're so enriching for so many people. And so it's it's such a pleasure to get to talk to you. Well, thank you so much. I would love for listeners to get to hear a little bit about you, what you do, any fun facts that you're willing to share with us that maybe others wouldn't know if they were just to look at you. So I'll pass it to you to share a little bit about yourself and your work. Sure. Um, Well, I'll start off by saying I'm a clinical psychologist with a 100% online practice. 
I switched to working online and doing telehealth about five years ago, back when it wasn't really a thing. And it's been really exciting to see um, our field kind of embrace online therapy, telehealth, and increase access for so many people. So that's been a, a really fun adventure. Um, when I'm not doing therapy, I have um, e-courses that I offer to folks. So I teach an e-course to small business owners. And I had therapists in mind when I created my e-course, DIY Your Brand in a Weekend. It was the course that I wish I had when I was starting my business. And I had no idea what branding was or how to hire the right people to help me. I recently launched that course, which was super exciting. And then my passion project is working on a startup which is still in very, very early stages, but the hope is to create something that helps people find therapists faster. And it's something I care about a great deal because I've lost people in my life who've struggled with mental health challenges. And I, tr I truly, truly believe that if people can see therapists more quickly and easily, that they will get the care they need to live lives that are meaningful and fulfilling for them and that will lose less people to depression and suicide just due to things that are avoidable, like the time it takes to find a therapist. So I'm really excited about working on that. Fun facts, I'm a huge foodie and I love to travel. Obviously I'm an American, I'm from California, but I've relocated to Lisbon, Portugal uh, in 2019. And so I love just trying new foods. If I had to pick one thing, that would be my favorite. I'd say I'm obsessed with breakfast burritos, which is a very like California based food item. Some places in the world don't even have them. There's not too many here in Lisbon. And let's see what else I, ugh, I back in the day, I love to go to comedy shows. That was something that I really, really love to do and live music shows. Now things are a little bit more low key. So I've become like really into cooking at home especially since, you know, we've had things like lockdown and coronavirus and all that sort of stuff. So I'm a huge foodie, love to cook. If I wasn't a therapist, I'd probably want to do my own travel and food show. So, so that's, that's what I'd be doing if I wasn't doing this. I love it. I love following you on Instagram and seeing all the amazing, like, I feel like I just see Portugal through your eyes and there's so many beautiful places and the locations, the food, like it's, it's really fun, like getting to see that side of you as well. And along mm. with all the therapeutic support and the idea for finding therapists faster is so important. I, I know actually a few people in my personal life who are trying to access therapists and thankfully they know me. And so they're mm -hmm. reaching out, but it's still hard and it's still mm. hard to find a therapist and the whole process feels very hard. And if you're already struggling with mental health, I mean, you don't need any more barriers. So I think that's an incredible idea and I, I can't wait to support it when, when it's ready to launch in the world. So thank you for working on that, Dr. Therese. We definitely need that. Thank, thank you so that. much for that. I need all the encouragement I can get. And, you know, one of the things that I say, my, my personal tagline, my personal motto is build a life you don't need a vacation from. And so I think being in a place where we can support our own mental wellness is such a big part of that. And it's also why I love sharing about things like my travels in Portugal and my life as a digital nomad, traveling full-time, you know, 
not living in the country that I grew up in, not working out of a brick and mortar office, because these things make me feel fully alive. And so if, you know, my videos of Portugal resonate with you, that makes me really happy because I love this country and I've been able to see a lot more of it this year um, since it's the country that I'm in and, and it's a lot easier than traveling anywhere else. But that means the world to me because Portugal is a beautiful country and the people here are so incredible. The food is so incredible. And so I always joke with my friends that I should uh, I should partner up with the tourism board for, for Portugal because I love convincing people to come here and to show them how beautiful it is. So you have to come and visit soon. Oh, absolutely. After I saw, I think you went to some castle by the ocean, some historic <laughs> place. It was just, I'm like, oh, Lisbon is definitely on my, on my list. And I think anytime Dr. Teresa, and I get this from listeners too, we humanize ourselves as therapists. I think it demystifies, you know, what I think people think of therapists or therapy in general, and, you know, maybe keeping it kind of in this very rigid box. And right. I think it gives us a face and it gives us humanity and connection. And I heard once one of my mentors when I was starting early on in my career, and he said, interventions don't change people, people change people. And I think mm -hmm. when we come to the field with leading first through our humanity and then our skills and our experiences and holding space for folks, it just, it creates a different kind of healing that I'm excited that we have this way that we can connect as therapists with other people through are just human connection first. So I think it just, when you share those things about you, it just makes it so much more easier to connect with your human side. And then along with like the gifts of the mental health and all the amazing work that you're doing on the, on the side too, with your courses. And it's just, it's so much fun. Like the reels that you've done, like, it's just, it's been a, it's been very fun. Thank you for those kind words. It's so wild for me to hear them because I still remember starting my Instagram account in 2018, I think it was April, and being so petrified of what people would think of me. And, oh my gosh, what if a client saw me eating dinner or you know saw something about my personal life? And I was just really scared of being judged by folks, um, especially our colleagues, our peers that are fellow mental health professionals. And so that was how it felt in 2018. Now fast forward to 2020, and it's so refreshing to see the variety of therapists and all the individuality of individuals who are therapists on Instagram and other social media platforms, sharing mental health content, sharing who they are as people. And I know for me, it's been one of the most freeing experiences of my life to get to just exist as a human and not have to just be not to necessarily have to be a blank slate in all things, but to be able to share parts of myself in a public way. And so it's wild to think about how much things have changed in just two years. And I, I love it. I think I personally love seeing therapists share about their lives on a personal level as well, obviously with healthy boundaries, but um, I think it gives people permission to also be humans, to also be imperfect and be flawed and, it helps us model things that we would, I think, tell our clients to do. So it's been really fun for me too. And I'm really glad to hear that that resonates with people. And it's also really nice to, that it, that it didn't go as badly as I thought it would when I was so scared in 2018 to start my account. So yeah, thank you so much for encouraging that. It's, it's been really fun on this side too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think listeners listening, I mean, whenever you have an idea or a thought or a dream or a goal in 
you know, I think everyone can relate and resonate with what you're sharing about the fear of judgment and the fear of what might, you know, come with really showing up in the way that you want to show up with your, you know, marrying kind of your personal and your professional life and what that could look like for you. And this gives people permission, I think, to just kind of be themselves in a way that then creates opportunity to live your life meaningfully and fulfilled and joyful. And like your career doesn't have to be kind of completely in this box and, um, and to do all your dreams and goals with this idea of it's okay to have that fear of judgment. Um, and how do you keep going despite it or, you know, where Mm -hmm. you can kind of push into it a little bit and still show up with that judgment and dance with the fear. I like to say, um, and it kind of leads, I, I guess, you know, kind of diving into the topic, um, I think toxic positivity can, there's a way that judgment, there's a lot of, you know, beliefs and judgment that kind of comes with it. But first, just starting, how would you define toxic positivity and toxic positive culture um, mm. in general, Dr. Therese? I think of toxic positivity as giving someone a Band-Aid when their leg is broken. It's when we invalidate people's hardships by assuming that they should maintain a positive mindset. And ultimately, it comes from a lack of empathy, a lack of compassion, and it's super counterproductive. Toxic positivity culture at its core is a form of denial or perhaps even distraction because instead of sitting with someone in their pain, we're trying to tell them to look on the bright side, right? So what I've learned in my own experience um, and just talking to people all day in the therapy room is that it often seems to come out of a place of anxiety when people struggle to tolerate other people's negative emotions. And toxic positivity is based on unrealistic expectations for how we should experience pain. So in that way, it's kind of like a form of distorted thinking where we think that we're supposed to handle pain by just putting a smile on our face or keeping our chin up, or in the UK, you might say stiff upper lip, right? And so what it communicates that I believe to be false is that very normal emotions are not okay. And at the end of the day, I think the most important thing we need to know about toxic positivity is that it's ineffective at actually helping people. Yes. All of that resonates. And I think listeners tuning in can, are probably all nodding their head like, yes, yes, that, the, the, the smile, the mask, you know, and how it can show up. Is there an example you could share of what it could sound like on a day-to-day basis for someone to kind of connect with what that would look like in their life? Sure. I'll share a couple of the most common things that can come up that I've heard. Someone might say, oh, but other people have it so much worse. Or can't you just be grateful for what you have? In the Christian community or the faith community, which I am a part of, people will say, just pray, right? Like praying can take away pain, which it doesn't. Everything happens for a reason. And I recognize that when people say these things, they, they may have really good intentions, right? So just because someone says these things doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't even mean that they're trying to intentionally hurt someone. I think a lot of times we say these things because they're what we're, they're the things that were said to us. And so we just repeat back what we think is the stuff we're supposed to say 
when someone's in pain. One of the things I saw come up recently that I think is a kind of a flavor of toxic positivity, if you will, was during quarantine where this quote got viral that said, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was something like, if you don't come out, out of quarantine with a new skill or a six pack, then you just weren't motivated enough. And that right there is a perfect example of the unrealistic, just completely unfair expectations that come from a place of toxic positivity. Because what's not happening is acknowledging that something like a lockdown might be traumatic, might be extremely difficult and stressful for a person, that just getting up in the morning, perhaps brushing your teeth and taking a shower, that that's actually an accomplishment in the midst of something as challenging and something that we were as unprepared for as a global pandemic. So that's kind of an extreme example, I think, of, of how bad it can get. But on the day-to-day basis, it's, it's those typically, <laughs> there's statements that you could see like embroidered on a pillow or in a poster of, you know, just, you know, just pray, you know, keep your chin up, stay positive, those sorts of things ultimately fail to really acknowledge the nuance of pain and fail to really validate the difficulties and the hardships that people can go through. Yeah. I remember hearing that quote and I just went to the place of thinking about, you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about shame and, Mm -hmm. and I feel just like everyone at some level is holding some, some shame about something, even subconsciously. And when we read a quote like that in the middle of a pandemic, job losses, people are losing loved ones. I mean, just the anxiety, I mean, toilet paper running out, just mm-hmm. all the things that came with it. The amount of whatever shame you are already carrying and reading something, even just so benign as a quote, how it can just in some ways subconsciously deepen that shame wound and how dangerous it can be to continue as a culture reinforce things like that. So thank you for naming that. I think a lot of us can resonate with that. Oh my gosh. I mean, just a word can do so much damage. And I think words of toxic positivity can really, really harm. And so I think that's why it's so great that toxic positivity has become something that's been, I think, getting a lot more attention lately in the mainstream, because we need to name these things. We need to know what they are so we can learn and we can grow and do better. Right. So I think people are getting more educated about how not to come from a place of toxic positivity and how to actually be supportive for someone and how to really sit with someone when they're going through pain. So Dr. Therese, with that, how can someone notice the signs that they are being negatively impacted by toxic positivity? One of the things that makes it really clear whether we're being impacted by toxic positivity is that toxic positivity makes us feel worse, not better. So when someone treats us in a way that is coming from a place of toxic positivity, it can create a lot of cognitive dissonance because on the one hand, you might see that someone is very well-intentioned and really cares about us. It's coming from someone that you know cares about you and their words are coming out in a way that seems really loving and kind, but then you can't match that with the feeling of 
that something about what they said makes you feel unseen or unheard. It can make you feel small. And at the very worst, it can make you feel embarrassed or ashamed. And I think using your feelings as a bit of a thermometer for what was said is really helpful because ultimately when someone is truly supporting us, we feel that support, right? Just intuitively, we, we do feel better. And when someone says something like, just keep your chin up or stay positive, it falls flat. It, it doesn't really heal, right? Like I said, it's like that bandaid on a broken leg. It, it's a nice idea, but it doesn't actually do the trick of helping us to feel better. And part of the reason for that is because I think what we know is that studies show that suppressing feelings can cause more psychological harm and distress than if we actually connect with our feelings. So I know that might be confusing to some people listening because your whole life you might've been told, well, I was, you know, I, I've always been told a positive mindset is so, so important. And it is positive psychology, you know, studies a lot of why it's important to focus on positive thoughts. But the important thing to note here is that we don't ignore the negative feelings, right? We have to acknowledge them. We have to create space for them. And then we can move on to trying to find meaning. And then we can move on to trying to take our next steps. But if we bypass experiencing the pain, validating the pain and the hurt, then we really miss out on what we need to heal. So again, I think using your feelings, that's the thermometer for, gosh, I think someone's speaking to me uh, in a toxically positive way. And uh, it just doesn't feel good. I love what you said. People can resonate to that. And again, it's like intention versus impact. People's intentions mean well. And we're just repeating everything that we've been taught and told. Mm -hmm. I know for me as an example, and maybe others can resonate to this, after my sister passed, then my dad passed, and everyone around funerals or just Mm -hmm. any kind of hardship, well intentions again, but Mm -hmm. people will say, be strong, stay strong. Mm -hmm. And hadn't gotten until after my dad's funeral, when I heard that a lot at my sisters, that it was very, it made me angry because mm-hmm. I wasn't, I didn't want to stay strong. I wanted to fall apart. I wanted to cry. I wanted to be sad and to hear, be strong for your mom, be strong for your family, be strong for this mm-hmm. person. I'm like, well, what about me? I'm hurting, <laughs> you know? And it wasn't, oh, until- I hate that. It makes my blood boil just hearing that, that people said that to you. Yeah. And I think that's such a common practice. I even remember before my sister passed, I would say the same thing out of habit Mm -hmm. to other people. And it wasn't until my dad's and I had done some internal work and even, you know, just kind of talking more about the the importance of holding coexisting feelings at the same time and -hmm. sometimes putting one down. And it doesn't mean you're not strong for that. And so I remember for my dad, someone had said, be strong. And at that point, I was a lot more calm and able to kind of, you know, work through one of one of the worst pains after losing Mm -hmm. my sister. But I'd said, I said, you know what, actually it's okay not being strong right now. I said, for me, being strong means crying, being strong, being upset that my dad is no longer here and whatever else. And I'll get to a point and that whatever strong will look like later, but right now strong looks different and redefining what it means and Mm -hmm. allowing coexisting feelings. And you know, that person was like, oh yeah. So I think there's a, like just a cultural education and shift that we're doing and we're, and we're, and it's taking place. And I think people are resonating with that. They're like, oh, thank you for naming that. I can have co 
coexisting, conflicting emotions, and they don't mm-hmm. have to be mutually exclusive. Um, right. And that so they don't have to define us either. Like, amen to that. Because by the way, when people are saying be strong, what does that mean? I think what they actually have in their mind is don't allow your feelings to affect you, which is so silly. Right. And I think they might also even be saying, don't be vulnerable right now. Don't show vulnerability. I don't think those things are strong. I think vulnerability is strong. I think allowing yourself to feel is strong. So I am so with you when it comes to kind of rebranding or redefining, I would say, what strength even is. And you're right. We are, that's modeled for us. We all do it. So like, I'm guilty. I'm sure I've said that to people before, but when you know better, you do better. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And when do you think people, once they notice the signs that they're being impacted by toxic positivity, because it's so Mm -hmm. easy to not even know that that's what's happening. You just have this feeling of like, wait, that didn't sit right with me. Like what you mentioned, Mm -hmm. mentioned about cognitive dissonance, like Mm -hmm. someone said something and you're like, ah, you might just say, okay, thank you. But like internally, you know yourself best and you know, whether you felt some type of way. So Mm -hmm. how, how can people respond to toxic positivity after they notice that they've been impacted by some of the signs? I think it depends on the person you're experiencing it from. So, you know, in, in the example you used of your sister, or maybe you're at a funeral experience where people might be saying the same toxically positive thing to you again and again. I think sometimes it's good to assess when it's worth it to say something and when it's worth it to just let it go. Not because you should let it go or you have to let it go, but for your own well-being that it serves you better to dismiss the statement that's being made to you. However, I think for the relationships that really do matter to you, where you don't want that to happen again, or there's a chance that it could happen again, and you just want to prevent that. I think the the first thing that you have to do is be honest and communicate how, what they said made you feel and set boundaries with them about it. So I think you can be honest and just say, Hey, I really appreciate that you want to be here for me, but can I just tell you that when you say stay positive, I just feel like that doesn't help me at all. And then I think once you express your feelings in a vulnerable and honest way, it informs the person, first of all, that what they're doing isn't effective at actually helping you, which is what they're trying to do. Like we're going to assume that's what they're trying to do. And then I think the second thing that can be so helpful if you have it in you is to then just let them know what you do need instead, which I know for many people is quite difficult. I think even for me, a lot of the time, just telling people what I want, giving myself permission to ask for what I want is really tough because I think that was something that I wasn't necessarily given permission to do growing up. So Giving yourself the permission to ask for what you want from those people that matter to you can be huge. So to just even say, hey, you know, I think I don't really need advice right now. I just need you to sit with me and tell me that you care and I need you to acknowledge my pain, right? And even just saying to someone, gosh, that really, really sucks. I'm really sorry this is happening to you. That's not fair. It shouldn't be happening to you. I wish I could do something about this. Um, those statements, even though they don't solve any problems, they sure help people feel seen in their pain. And I think that we don't realize just how powerful that is 
to say things that aren't solutions. They're just empathy. It's just caring. And so if you can ask for that, if you can ask people for the type of support that you need and kind of redirect them toward that, then that's the test, right? Is do we see that from them or do we not? If you see it from them, great. It means that they can learn and they can pivot. And if not, well, then you have to decide what you want to do from there. Yeah, I think relationships in every aspect, whether it's a coworker, an intimate partner, a family member, a friend, being able to get to a place where ultimately we all want to be seen and right, and assuming that most people want to be helpful to the other person that they care about. And we're just mm-hmm. all operating a lot of things out of habit, repeating things that have been said to us. And until it gets to a place where we can be vulnerable with each other and also not be defensive when someone corrects us in that moment. And, you know, instead kind of take this opportunity to say, oh, let's talk about this a little more deeper further and how I can show up in a way that helps you feel seen. And ultimately just getting to that place again, to just be humans Mm -hmm. and figuring it out along the way together and, and being honest about it, just really just speaking from your heart, being truthful and Putting the pride and the ego down for a little bit. Absolutely. Yes, we need more of that, but it's so hard. And I think what you've said is so would lead to such powerful change, but it does require us to one, be able to listen and to put our defenses aside, which is the ego you're talking about. And then two, to be humble enough to be teachable and to not assume that we should even know what to do or that we should have all the answers or be perfect. And for whatever reason, I feel like a lot of times culture tells us we should know all the answers. We should be doing this, you know, like these expectations are not fair, right? If, if you have a friend going through something that you've never experienced before, how should you know how to respond? So it's not about knowing exactly the perfect response. It's about being present for your friend being willing to give them what they need. And then if you find that what you're giving isn't quite serving them, that you are open to how to support them in a way that's more effective for them. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can get into that place where you almost kind of proactively, maybe after hearing this episode and think about one to two friends that you can practice this with and say, hey, eventually something tough is going to happen to us. Or maybe we're in that place right now. And can we just create an open conversation about what I think I might need from you in this friendship to support me through that? And if I don't know, how can we leave space and openness to figure that out and room for maybe if you do say the wrong thing and because I might not know what I need, but I might know when you say something, it didn't sit well with me. So how can I actually in that moment, you know, say to you that thing that we had talked about, what you said actually didn't work right now for Mm -hmm. me and creating Mm -hmm. that vulnerability and making it an open invitation. I'm doing that with some of my friends now after being in mental health for 15 years and in my mid thirties, it wasn't until recently I was like, okay, how can I be a better friend? What do I need? And how can we just have open dialogue about that conversation and not to in that moment when that person had said at my dad's you know, funeral to be strong Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, I'm like two options. I can be mad at her or I can assume that she means well, she's trying to be supportive. She's repeating a lot of what she's been taught and told. Mm -hmm. So I, at that moment, it was a teaching opportunity to say, you know, actually strong looks like this for me. Mm -hmm. And she was okay with that. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what you're saying. Dr. Therese is getting to a place of vulnerability, 
with each other in relationships. And what you're saying to me just is so empowering because what you're really saying in my, from what I hear is you're talking about taking actions to break these cycles of all the things we've been taught and all the things we think we're supposed to say and do. And I think that's so fantastic, so empowering to think that you're going to take what you've learned and you're going to be more intentional about your friendships and you're going to allow that you're, you're going to create that space that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily there before, because the more we can do this for one another, the more that we serve one another better and we're better friends and we're better, you know, in relationships in general. And so I think that's beautiful, you know, remembering that we all have the power to break these cycles that exist in our lives that include toxic positivity and that we can truly set our relationships on a different course just by allowing the space for these types of conversations. I think that's mind blowing. I love it. Ah, I love it too. This conversation I'm sure <laughs> is resonating for so many that are tuning in. And Dr. Therese, I know folks are just like, oh, how do I find her if they don't already <laughs> follow you? Uh, so where can people find you in your work? What's the best place? You can connect with me on my website directly, which is www.exploringtherapy.com. Or if they want to check me out on Instagram, it's at exploring.therapy. And if you did listen from this episode, I'd love to hear from you. So please drop me a line and let me know what you thought, because it's always fun. You always wonder after you do these shows, like, I wonder who heard it and I wonder what kind of impact it had. So it's, it means a lot to me when people reach out and, you know, say hello or say something that they um, got out of the conversation. So thanks so much for asking. I would, I would love to meet your listeners. Yes. And I'll definitely put that in the show notes and you get a taste of Portugal. I, I live vicariously through you <laughs> seeing your Instagram stories. So Dr. Therese, is there anything left on your heart just intuitively that we haven't talked about that you would just want to leave listeners with. And there's folks from all over the world, which I'm super excited and humbled about, mm -hmm. but we have folks in over 23 different countries tuning in and mm -hmm. from all walks of life and backgrounds and lived experiences. And from that place, just what's on your heart to leave them with? I feel like a year like 2020 has been so challenging for so many people. And so whether someone's listening this year or listening in the future, I just want to say that if you've made it this far, you are just more powerful and more, more amazing than you may ever know. Truly, we've never seen anything like this before, what we've experienced in 2020. And so I wish I could give a hug to every single person listening today and just say, you're, you're doing it. You're surviving. You're hanging in there. And it's okay if you don't feel like you're thriving. It's, it's not always going to be this way where, where things feel this hard. But for now, please don't give yourself a hard time. Don't have toxic positivity toward yourself and ex have these unrealistic expectations of what this year should look like. It's a hard and traumatic year. So just, just being here together, just standing and just breathing is, is incredibly powerful. And if you're wondering what the future is going to look like for you, if you're feeling disempowered or discouraged, or you've just been through something that's really knocked the wind out of you. I know I have had some of those moments this year. I love the quote that says 
you're one decision away from a completely different life that literally there's power in your hands in every single moment to take a different path, to go a different way, to lean into something that serves you better, to walk away from something that doesn't serve you well, to choose relationships that, that enrich your life and, and don't make you feel small and don't make you feel shame. And so just remember when it feels like the changes you want feel so big and so far away that you just need to make one decision and then another decision and just baby step your way to those things. And it is so possible because the people who are doing the things you want aren't any better than you. They're, they're not more talented. They're not smarter necessarily. You know, you have your gifts and just remember that the things you admire are, you already have what you need within you. You just need to take those steps and go on that journey that maybe you haven't started yet, or maybe you are in the middle of, or maybe you just went through something hard and you need to get to the next chapter, which is going to be better. So I just, I hope you keep in mind how much power you have in every decision that's in front of you and that there could be a completely different life on the other side of those decisions, if that's what you want. Um, so never lose sight of how much power you have, even when things feel really, really hard. I brought so much peace in my heart just listening. So I imagine it's doing the same for others. That was very encouraging. Thank you so much for your time, your work, your service, your gifts. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Trump, for being you and for being with us today on the podcast. Thank you so much for creating this space. I hope people found our conversation helpful and you are amazing as always. I trust that you found some gems in today's episode to take away with you into your healing journey. As we wind down 2020, may you take some time to reflect on how toxic positivity may be impacting you in your life and ways that you can really give yourself the permission you need to not have to perform and put on a fake smile that just feels exhausting to you. I hope that this episode made you feel seen, made you feel validated, and gave you some hope and some ideas on how to move through the next stages in your life with this knowing about toxic positivity. And if you have some time, I would love if you have a moment, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, head over and subscribe. And if you can, please leave a review that goes a long way and helps to reach more people to find this episode and find this podcast. Lastly, I just would love if you have a moment to head over to my website. It's in the show notes, aditsi.com. You can check out what services I have to offer that can really support you in your healing journey. I offer individual virtual coaching sessions. I offer a virtual master course that you can enroll today and start your healing journey in the comfort of your own home. It's a three-week course that you get to just hear videos and slides and have a workbook directly from me in the comfort of your own home and work at it on your own pace at your own time. And there's a healing retreat that's occurring in 2021, one in Spain and one in Bali, Indonesia. And those are happening in 2021. If travel is safe for us to go, go ahead and reach out to me if you have any questions. Hello at aditsi.com. And I hope you have a safe, blessed, wonderful rest of your week. Until next time, thanks friends for being here.